This is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. Are you drinking up? First, you gotta do the trouble shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Welcome back to a brand new episode of WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder. JC Penny is coming here because of me. You ask anybody, they'll tell you. Joining me, as always, is Mr. Positivity Wolfie T. Little pigs, little pigs, let me come in. <laughs> it's it's Sexist Chainsaw 2022, uh, and we're excited to talk about mm-hmm. it. Never before has the chainsaw been used so phallically, right? <laughs> oh, especially on the bus. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that. Did you see that one? That one double kill on the bus? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're all pretty much double kills. <laughs> if you think about it, but that one, <laughs> the, the one. Oh <laughs> uh, yes, we are continuing a horror extravaganza. I guess this is the start of our three episode arc on uh, newer uh, horror films. Faux American horror films. These are movies that were filmed outside of the U.S. but are uh, but take place in the U.S. So you you can never tell. It looks just like Texas. Yeah, a Romanian Texas, Bulgaria. Is it Bulgaria this one? I believe it's Bulgaria. Okay, who's been filming in uh, Romania lately? Isn't uh, Marvel been doing a lot of shit over there? Um, Rob, uh, Rob Zombie filmed over in Romania, didn't he, for Monsters? <laughs> I- yeah, I think so. <laughs> All those old Eastern Bloc uh, countries that are now part of NATO, that's where they're filming. <laughs> yeah. This one was Bulgaria. Okay. Well, yes, takes place in Texas. This is the... I gotta do, now i got to do math. So there's the original... It's hard to even say original three Texas Chainsaws because the third one is so... You know, the first two are Toby Hooper. You could say at least... The third Texas Chainsaw. This is a sequel, but it's pretty different. And then you got the 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 remake, reboot, sequel, the Next Generation in '94, the 20 year anniversary. Then you have the remake, reboot in '03 of Jessica Biel. I think Michael Bay might have produced that. Yeah, he seemed to have produced a lot of the remakes. Yeah, no sex in my horror movies for some reason. Yeah, Jessica Biel does not get naked. Was the deal with Friday the 13th? Uh, he's like, no sex in my Friday the 13th. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I don't recall there being a nudity in the newer Friday the 13th. But uh, yeah, then there was uh, Texas Chainsaw Beginning, I think, followed the Texas Chainsaw Reboot. I think it was in 06. And that has the same leather face as the reboot. The all three reboot. I was gonna say, have there ever been the same Leatherface in more than one movie? Seems like they always have a new guy playing Leatherface. Yeah, because who was it in chapter in in two? I forget. It wasn't Gunnar Hansen, right? Uh, Bill Johnson. That's right. Yeah, Bill Johnson. He was a Crypticon a couple years ago. After the the beginning, there was 
Is there something before that Texas Chainsaw 3D? Um, yes, Texas Chainsaw 3D in 2013, and then Leatherface in 2017. Okay, I even forgot about that one. There's also one from 2000 called All American Massacre. That when you Google Texas Chainsaw Massacre series, it's uh, it's one of them. Mm. Apparently, Buckethead played Leatherface in that movie. He doesn't seem big enough to play Leatherface. Is it on the Wikipedia entry for the franchise? That's what I want to know. Uh, I'm just looking at the Google results right now. That's the standard. Wikipedia is humanity's uh, best effort. <laughs> Let's see. It is not listed on Wikipedia. Yeah, I don't think it's canon. Apparently it's Bill Mosley. Ah. In it, so, you know, he'll do anything for a buck. Sure. Played Bloody Bobby. Gives it a little bit of validity, but still. Directed by William Tony Hooper. Mm-hmm. Sure there's a connection there. You sure this is like a real movie? <laughs> <laughs> not like a documentary or a... The, like the a... son of Toby Hooper. Well, it's Buckethead plays Leatherface, it says. So it, it's got to be real. Because why it's would not you like a documentary with like reenactments and shit? Or, I don't know, it talks about the franchise or its effect on the culture. I guess it's only an hour long. Uh, let's see. So, synopsis. It looks like we don't have any synopsis for this title yet. Um, but there's a, <laughs> there's a summary. Incarcerated for years in solitary confinement at a Texas psychiatric hospital, period. One of the most notorious killers of the past century is interviewed by a tabloid news crew, recalling fond memories of happier times in his younger years. So mm. I don't I don't know if that's related in any way. Yeah. Oh, it's never been publicly publicly shown. Okay. So yeah, that definitely doesn't count. It's a, it's a home movie. It's a it's a Hooper home movie with the family. It's like that Crispin Glover movie. A few years ago, I heard the uh, home video hustle cover it, and it's a it's a movie that's never like officially released, but he he like road shows it once in a while, mm. and apparently it's very racist. They all wear blackface, <laughs> <laughs> and he like kills animals and stuff. Honestly, it sounds like an interesting watch, but mm. I don't know if it would be good. Speaking of blackface, it was the anniversary of Soul Man the other day. <laughs> <laughs> that was not blackface. That was tanning pills. <laughs> uh, needs a Blu-ray. <laughs> Is Black Like Me on Blu-ray yet? I don't think so. We are going through titles the other day on Twitter. What about Bob needs a Blu-ray? Uh, Three Ninjas just got a Blu-ray. The Three Ninjas franchise, if you will. All four films. It's an Australian Blu-ray, but it's supposed to be worldwide. Yeah, I think it's region-free. Those Australian ones sometimes are. Allegedly. Or all region, if you will. You know what needs a Blu-ray? Short Time starring Dabney (laughs) Coleman. Somebody get Steve Winwood on the horn and let him (laughs) release the music rights so that they can put it on a Blu-ray. Higher Love is on there or what? Um, I can never remember what the name of the song is. There's a scene where Dabney Coleman and his kids sing it in the car. Mm. 
There's one of those Steve Winwood songs where it's like, there's no way you can understand what the fuck he's saying, but the kid knows all the lyrics. <laughs> Roll with it. Okay. That's the one. All right. Well, let's steer back to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Just quickly. As I said, we are continuing the horror extravaganza. After this, we're going to do The Lighthouse and The House That Jack Built. And then we'll do probably another recently seen episode with Stu. And finally, our, our Christmas episode to close out the year and the in the season. Uh, and then we're going to take a, a few-week hiatus, at which time I will be dumping, oh, I don't know, 100 episodes, 150 episodes onto the feed from our back catalog. I'm not going to put all of them out there. Some of them might be pretty embarrassing. Got to hold on to those for a while, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I can't really clean these up too much anymore. I don't have the old edit files, you know. I just have the MP3s, so. I don't think there's anything too embarrassing on any of them. Well, it's not the shining example of WTM I want out there necessarily. The first, what, eh. 30, 40 episodes, we didn't even have clips. That's true. I don't want people getting the wrong impression. We're going to get clips till what? No holds barred? Something like that. That was around episode 40, 40-ish. Although I did put in clips for top five fart scenes, which was in the first 20 episodes, I think. <laughs> put uh, clips of the farts. Twins. <laughs> I, I wasn't on the show yet. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, Three out of your top five would have been Norbit, I'm guessing. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there are that many fart scenes in Norbit. <laughs> the, one, the one that came to mind immediately was... Uh... Norbert was going to leave Respucia and she told him she was with a child. And then the next uh, day or week or whatever, they were at the the uh, town fair and she was, she was sucking jelly out of donuts. And uh, she told <laughs> Norbert to go get her uh, another wine cooler. And he's like, you can't drink. You're with child. And she says, what? What do you mean with child? Oh, that. I had gas. In fact, I still do. And then she farts. And then she goes, see? And, and she whiffs it at him, and he, he makes the face, you know, stink face. Like, he, you know, he really smells it. And then she farts again, and she goes, twins! <laughs> <laughs> Few people knew just the joy that that movie brings, Brett. <laughs> makes his ear whenever he sees it. I used a clip from that scene on Twitter the other day. Because there was some story about a bear stealing $45 worth of Taco Bell off somebody's <laughs> porch. <laughs> God, how much did you have to order from Taco Bell to get up to $45? <laughs> yeah, inflation <laughs> will never hit Taco Bell. It's like, they'll just put more water in their meat. And more, uh, three uh, more tacos salt. and a burrito. That'll be four twenty-six. <laughs> okay, deal. But yeah, uh just wanted to reiterate about the dumping of the episodes. Enjoy them, but just want to get fair warning. If you don't want 150 episodes downloaded onto your phone or, or mobile device, turn off automatic downloads. I'll be dumping them between Christmas and middle of January, I'd say. So Yes. After Christmas. Yeah. For about three weeks. Shut her down. And then, and then fire it back up. Then fire it back up. 
All right. Any other announcements that you can think of that I'm forgetting? I have no idea. Yeah, I think I got everything. The newest this is the newest movie we've ever covered on this show today. Yeah, I suppose if it's a 2022 film. The newest movie we've dedicated an entire episode to. Yeah. We do new movies all the time in our recently seen episodes, but without spoilers and pretty briefly, I'd say. Yes, we usually cover six per episode on the recently seen. This time, just one. And it's one of the the best slasher movies to come out in uh, the last several years, maybe the last decade. Says you. And it was on Netflix for all you subscribers to watch at no extra charge. <laughs> you know, they're going up and uh, they're increasing their prices again. You know, Max sent an email out that said, if you have ad free, uh, you no longer get 4K. And you also do not, uh, uh, the, the number of people that can sign in at a time was going from three to two. Uh, but they have like the max premium, super duper, uh, extra great package, which uh, has that same stuff that you used to get, but now it's like five dollars more. Wait, so max doesn't include the 4K anymore? That's uh, yeah. uh, that's uh. You have to get like the uh, the ultimate package. Those fucking assholes. For like twenty dollars a month or something. Which I, I get it through my cable, so, so I don't really pay extra for it. But uh yeah, apparently I don't get 4K anymore from So Max. they're joining Netflix because I remember when I got the my newest 4K TV, I was logging into Netflix and setting that up and I was like, why aren't there, why isn't a 4K available? And it's like, oh, that's like another $5 or something. I'm like, what? No. Yeah. yeah There's no way is. I'm paying Netflix that much. Because yep. I'm already paying them like 16, 17 bucks. And now they say their price is going up to like 22 or something. <laughs> like it's increasing like another $5, I think. I'm not surprised. Everybody's, you know, the, the ad free. I would never get the ad support in netflix i guess but well you got to pay for all them writers and actors mm-hmm. you know the, that studios were not paying them fairly and now they are yeah i don't get how they, these stupid streamers are losing so much money every tv show has to have nine staff writers at all times well how else are you going to fill the quotas it's got to be admissible to the academy for consideration for the crowning achievement of the year, the best picture Oscar. The best kneeler is, uh, <laughs> I'm sure the, the guy we tried to get on the episode with us today would probably call us <laughs> the best kneeler. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, let's get into the details of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Just like Facebook, it drops the the. Drop the the, just Facebook. They also took the space out in Chainsaw. <laughs> that's right. See, that's why I have you on the show to notice the little things, Brett. It's a different. It's a different spelling. It's a totally different name. Not confusing. It's not like the first Purge, which when you're talking about the Purge movies, you're like, which Purge is your favorite? The first one. <laughs> <laughs> you, mean, you mean the first movie that came out? No, the first Purge. <laughs> the fourth one. 
They should have gotten John Larroquette back for this. I tell you what, on the 03 remake, they got John Larroquette back. They did get him back for this one. Do they? Oh, I forget. No, well, they just play the opening from the the original. Yeah, yeah, the opening from the original. But uh, I'm saying they should have got him back for some new copy because he came back for Night Court. Is that reboot still on? Um, a peacock? <laughs> Maybe. I heard the, the bailiff just died. Oh, really? The original bailiff. No, well, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Bull from Night Court. Yeah. Yeah. Well, John Morquette is credited as the narrator. So, um, well, I don't know if he reread the script, but they, they used his, uh, his voice. I thought it was pretty clever, too, because they, the movie starts where it's like zoomed in on a TV and like is the DVD getting put in there. Mm-hmm. And then it's like the opening of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But then it's like a true crime uh, documentary about the incident. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. So forgive me if I'm slightly off and some of my observations today as I also watched the 03 reboot just a few days before Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And that was both over a week ago. So. I might mix up a couple of things, but I've never seen the 03 one. Yeah, it's pretty good. Solid for a remake. It's fine. They should watch them at some point. The uh, yeah. I've, I've seen the first four. I haven't seen anything after 2000. Yeah. For some reason, I'm not that interested in the, the beginning or the Leatherface one or the Texas Chainsaw 3D. I haven't, I've heard terrible things about all of them. Well, you heard terrible things about the 2022 one, and it's awesome. So, uh, well, I don't know if I heard terrible things before I watched it. Well, I watched it pretty early on, and it was definitely divisive. But there's definitely people like you singing its praises. I read. I'm gonna jump the gun here, and I'm gonna say I rated it at four stars on Letterbox, and I'm very tempted to bump it up to four and a half. I guess we we could do that. Uh, we could talk about your experience watching it last year versus watching it again on a repeat viewing what was your opinion then and did it change sounds like it improved a little bit in your eyes yeah i mean it's uh it it solidified itself as being as good as i thought it was if not better i was a little uh wary about watching it at first but i did i did have a couple people recommend it to me and uh, so I gave her a shot, and uh, I was very, very happy that I did, because it was, in fact, uh, a great movie. It's a hell of a slasher. It's uh, anti-woke, which is uh, unusual in these days and age, These this day and age. And yeah, it had some great scares. Well, a great tense uh, tension, uh, tense scenes of, Leatherface stalking around the house, people trying to hide from him, and then some really good uh, violence scenes too. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Soonish. Uh, yeah, when I first saw it, I hated damn near everything about it. Uh, I think I gave it a one and a half stars on Letterboxd. I guess my general opinion was I could see some of the perhaps anti wokeness, but. It was one of those things where I was, the pleasure you get from watching Leatherface, you know, deliver the comeuppance to all these douchebags was not worth the, I don't know, half hour beforehand just hanging out with these characters. It was just a slog for me to get through. 
that the the reward was not uh, the the payoff was not enough for me. I guess. Well, they they learn a lesson. They learn that you, you got to fight back and you got to use guns. I first noticed guns are stupid. <laughs> but they, um, they learned that uh, the the rednecks were right. Second time watching it, I did like it more. Uh, not quite to the point where I would give it eventually. I bumped it up to two and a half stars. So that's like a pretty good last resort. That's a last resort. But yeah. I, 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 I forgot to mention too, I did like the uh, allegory of the uh, school shooting survivor and comparing that experience to the experience of coming face to face with one of the great horror villains of all time. <laughs> Yeah, we'll discuss the school shooting aspect more in depth, but let's get into the details. Anything else you wanted to bring up quick? About I was just your... going to mention that Leatherface is, uh, you know, a member of the LGBTQ community and um, a great representative of them. <laughs> they they gladly accept him as part of the community. Um, Why did you see a? A picture of a marquee. It said "Queer Horror: Colon Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022 Screening." Well, or something? well partly because the the community claims every horror villain as their <laughs> own, and also uh, because Leatherface, just in this movie, uh, mm-hmm. not he he doesn't go as far in this movie, but in other movies, he does uh, dress as a woman uh, pretty frequently. Yeah, that he does, especially in the first one. You know, say so put on lipstick. Put on the dress. On. Yeah, well, the <laughs> face, but you know, he could say he's just honoring his mother with this one. Well, I was I was uh, making a, a joke based on a line in in the new movie. Uh, the uh, the foster mother says, "If I known somebody was coming, I would have put my face on." <laughs> <laughs> and then later he puts her face on, and then he puts her face on with makeup. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, even in the the older movies, like you would have a different, uh, different leather face mask uh, with different makeup for different uh, occasions, right? So, directed by David Blue Garcia, he is known for director of only three films: Tayano, which I've never heard of. Something called Eddie Brickle and New Bohemians, What Makes You Happy. I don't know if that's a music video. Yeah, that's four minutes video. music video. Tijano is a feature-length film on Tubi starring nobody I really know. Yeah, I'm not familiar with it. It's a thriller, Tejano. though, so. Well, he should get more work. He, he did a great job with this movie. He was a cinematographer, I guess. He got a lot of cinematography uh, credits. Sure. Cinematography is pretty good in here. Uh, this film stars Sarah Yarkin as Melody. Elsie Fisher as Lila. I'd say Lila is the, the main girl, the final girl. Yes. Mark Burnham plays Leatherface. Jacob Lattimore is Dante Spivey. Mo Dunford is Richter, who's the town hick slash construction guy. He's the contractor. Mm-hmm. Oben Fiore played Sally Hardesty. Or as we like to call her, Old Lady White. <laughs> OLW. 
Jessica Elaine played Catherine. Nell Hudson was Ruth. Alice Cridge was Mrs. MC, which is a, a Leatherface's mom. Yeah, well, yeah, the Froster mom or whatever you want to call her. She ran the orphanage. William Hope was the sheriff. Julian Coy was the deputy. Sam Douglas was Herb, the proprietor. And yeah, John Larroquette, narrator slash voice. I don't know if that's a new recording or not. Maybe we'll find out fun facts. I don't think it. I think the fun facts just say he appeared in it. Mm. But it was definitely like I I watched the the original right before this one. And uh, it's definitely like they just clipped the original opening and used that. The 03 reboot has a little new copy for him to to narrate. He still says macabre, but (laughs) the macabre. Yeah, you can tell it's a new recording. Then you get paid in like joints or something for the. Yeah, Hooper gave him a joint. University of Texas at Austin. Nothing (laughs) changes down there. They probably still pay everyone in joints. I was still trying to figure out. Franklin's last name was Franklin or Hardesty because they they go to the the Franklin house, but Franklin's name is Franklin and it's owned by his his dad who inherited it from his granddad, from Franklin's granddad. But his sister's name is Hardesty. You know what I'm talking about in the original? Yeah, well. (laughs) What is Franklin's last name? Oh, I guess it must be Hardesty. Is it Hardesty or is it Franklin? Because they go to the Franklin house, hmm. which would imply that their last name is Franklin, but his sister's name is Hardesty because he's Sally's brother. And Sally's not married. The Unsolved Mysteries of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes, I'm not sure. We only think about the, the, the important <laughs> surrounding what happened. Anyways, not to derail it. All right. Let's get to the synopsis, which is, after 48 years of hiding, Leatherface returns to terrorize a group of idealistic young friends who accidentally disrupt his carefully shielded world in a remote Texas town. Do you think they're millennials or Zoomers? That to be Zoomers. I, I would I think they're old Zoomers. Zoomers. Um so basically, we find out that they're uh, they've bought an entire town called Harlow, Texas, and they're gonna sell the storefronts and turn it into some kind of uh, well, they're gonna gentrify it. Is is the plan? Yes, but they I mean, they're gonna make it basically like a commune, right? Uh, yeah, to an extent, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's it's very uh, very. They're all very liberal, very, (laughs) very communist. They hate capitalism. They, I don't know, they want to make something for themselves. I guess everyone's going to maybe have a storefront, but everyone's going to have their, everyone's going to have one storefront. There's not going to be two general stores, you know? Of course, they're auctioning off all the storefronts today. So, (laughs) but uh, yeah, so they, they stop at a gas station for supplies because they drive a Tesla. They don't need gas. Right. Why would why would they need gas? They must live within fifty miles of Harlow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so they 
you know, you get a little setup there of the uh, the DVD playing in the background of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, true crime uh, story. Mm-hmm. And uh, Zoomers love them, true crime. They do. They love it. They almost they love it almost as much as the Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, <laughs> you should watch Totally Killer. I, I should watch that serial like podcast. Oh, it's about a podcast. Oh, no, gross. it's not about a podcast. But there's a, you know, it's about there's a the synopsis of Totally Killer is back in '87 there was a they called the Sweet Sixteen Killer who killed three teenagers and then vanished. Yes. Now he's back, but there's a. In the town, thirty-five years later, or whatever, there's a a very popular podcast where like people will take tours of the town to go to the various killings and like, oh, this is where so and so lived, and this is where the first murder happened, and that makes me want to watch it way less. <laughs> That's a very <laughs> small part of the uh, of the movie, but I tell you what, any movie that involves podcasters or podcasting. <laughs> It's like an automatic last resort. It's not like Tusk, where it's like, <laughs> "Hey, this is a movie about podcasters going to do going to do a podcast, doing podcast shit." The whole was movie. that was that one with BJ Novak, Vengeance or whatever. Yeah, I never watched it, but yeah, it's Vengeance. It was a decent movie, but it was all. About I thought the that was the Batman. The I thought he was Vengeance. I'm Vengeance. <laughs> I'm beating up bums in a train station. (laughs) (laughs) I heard you're looking for me, so I'm here at the front door. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen any of those Pete Holmes videos about the Batman? You know, he used to do a bunch of Dark Knight parodies. I haven't seen a Pete Holmes video in a very long time now. Okay. Well, he used to do it like around the time the Dark Knight Rises came out. He did a lot of those videos. Yeah. Making fun of the Dark Knight and his voice mainly and how stupid he is. But there, he started doing some new ones. There's been like six or seven videos and they're all the same premise. That's Batman is firing a certain member of the Justice League. So, it's, <laughs> but it's the, you know, it's the Christian Bale Batman. Hmm. He's firing like the Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman, what have you. Well, there's one where it's Batman fires the Batman, and it's him firing the Robert Pattinson, the Batman. <laughs> and they're basically comparing the voices. Yeah. And whoever was playing the Robert Pattinson one was like, I like to talk real soft, so they lean in, and then I pop him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> then I go home and cry all morning. <laughs> go home and listen to Nirvana. Skip breakfast. <laughs> I don't go to work because I'm so depressed. <laughs> so we're talking about podcasts and then vengeance. And the, hey, that leads into Texas Chainsaw <laughs> Massacre. Vengeance. Just real quick. Proceed, Brett. Uh, yeah. So uh, so we get a little exposition about what happened uh, nearly 50 years 50 ago. 50 years ago. <laughs> he gets uh, whatever happened to that hardesty chick. Uh, well, she became a, a ranger and went hunting for Leatherface for 40 or 50 years. Oh, so she must have found him, right? No, <laughs> never found him. I will say, I at first glance, the Sally Hardesty stuff seems like it's shoehorned in there uh, or it's a ripoff of the, the Halloween 2018 Laurie Strode. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I was thinking about it, you know, like. 
in in the original movie, she doesn't seem like the type to go on a vengeance tear. There are women in real life who survive violent attacks, and it consumes them to not become a victim again to the point where they become like Sally Hardesty. And it just becomes an, an obsession of theirs to not be a victim again. The brave one? Yes, the brave <laughs> one. <laughs> Annette Benning and American Beauty, I will not be a victim. She is becoming the brave one. <laughs> and uh, 50 years later, she's still holding on to it. And uh, we'll get to later how that works out. Because I thought it was pretty fitting how, how all this stuff worked out with her. Um, I'm glad they did it the way they did. Well, see, that's why you got to watch Halloween H2O. They did it first, kind of, and then they did it better than anybody. And then they resurrected. Yes. <laughs> they resurrected Buster Rhymes. <laughs> um, Buster, Buster, we want Buster. In H2O, uh, Laurie Stroh, Jamie Lee Curtis is a you know, in Halloween 2018, she's this doomsday prepper type, right? Yes. Well, in 1998, Halloween H2O, not H4O is the doomsday prepper. H2O is a depressed drunk. <laughs> <laughs> well, because her son is played by Josh Hartnett, Minnesota Connection. You have to purify yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. He's in college. But she just kind of, I mean, she's not friend too... of a friend of a friend of the show. <laughs> He's... <laughs> that's right that's funny uh, uh the other day you know shout out to zolly he was at twin cities con getting pictures with everybody you know kevin smith yeah tony todd he was with uh rachel a cook and i found out that my uh manager went to high school with her <laughs> at the theater he's like yeah she was there you know she left like during freshman year to uh you know she moved on to uh bigger and better things with the uh, the movies she moved on to go film Carpool in Seattle. Mm-hmm. But She's All That came out of what, 98? Yeah, probably. I think that's I, I when. Know. I never saw it, but yeah. What? You never saw She's All That? No, I didn't see most of those movies that came out around that time. Damn. Most of those teen uh, coming of age movies, I did not see those. It's a shame. You're robbed of a part of your childhood, Brett. Very uninterested. Anywho, that was 98, I believe, 98 or 99. And I think my manager graduated like 97 or 98. But yeah, <laughs> he's like, I remember seeing her in the lunchroom one time, kind of knowing at the time, like, oh, she'd done something. But we looked at her filmography. And I was like, what the hell did you know her from? Did you, did you see Carpool? He's like, no. <laughs> but, you know, Carpool was probably after she left because she left freshman year. So that would have been about 95 yeah. ish. And Carpool was 96. So she must have been in some like local commercials or something. Twin Cities. Maybe. But I don't know. Anywho, I can't remember where I was going with that. <laughs> uh, we were still talking about Halloween H2O, I guess. Were you yeah, talking? She... Were, were you going to bring up the Josh Hartnett Superman picture? <laughs> no, I wasn't going to bring it up. No. Oh, I thought that's where you're going with that. No. But. 98 is when H2O came out. She's basically just has PTSD, but she's not a doomsday prepper by any means. She's just kind of a, she just plays a, you know, 40 some year old drunk. Lori is really a, a dealing with a lot of post-traumatic stress. Jamie Lee 
basically plays herself. Yeah. But you can tell how the trauma, if you will, <laughs> affected her. In the, a, tra- in a, the trauma. <laughs> trauma. In a realistic way versus maybe the Halloween H40. Yeah. Where it's like doomsday prepper, badass, uh, Linda Hamilton type. But she's got all the, the traps and shit in her house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, full disclosure, I did enjoy Halloween H40. The 2018 movie obviously was a movie about trauma. I do like it still after seeing it and hearing, you know, it was popular at the time. It was like, oh, there's going to be a two and a three. And I said, that's not how this works. This is predicated <laughs> on this ending now. Yeah. I didn't want two and three. I was happy with uh, H40 and that's it. Halloween doesn't end until Halloween ends. Yeah. Well, that's a bit false because then you can see Halloween doesn't kill until Halloween kills. <laughs> Halloween uh, 2018. <laughs> Automatic last resort because it's about a podcast. Actually, it's decent except for the the Rocky Dennis character. <laughs> I would say Halloween H two O. I enjoy more than Halloween H four O. You know, everybody talks about how great H two O is these days. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if that was always the case, but everybody says it's the best one now. Much like Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends ruins. H4O, Halloween Resurrection ruined H2O. Literally. <laughs> you watch the first five minutes of Resurrection and you go, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I think a lot of people did that for, uh, I think a lot of people saw Terminator Dark Fate and saw the same thing. Said the <laughs> same thing. <laughs> uh, but hey, you got Edward Furlong to show up, kind of. <laughs> It was so weird because they're like, Edward Furlong's going to be in The Dark Fate. And it's like, what? <laughs> How? Why? What? And then it was like just like a CGI of him as a child. Yeah. It's like, I don't know if you, if the filmmakers knew, but he's, he's cleaned up his life because he hasn't had work in about 15 years. And apparently his addiction woes are long behind him and he's got new teeth and the whole nine yards and doing well. He was in one or two things recently, like some shitty horror movie. I think we mentioned it. Oh, he was but in that episodes. one with uh, with Felisa Rose and. Um, oh yeah. Who's yeah? I forget who was it. A uh, new Shutter, new Shutter film. I don't even know if it was on Shutter. Um, Oof, that doesn't sound good. I forget. It was somebody that we talked about in uh, one of our recent episodes. It was in that movie for the? It was like the first thing they did in like thirty years. Oh, okay. I forget if there's somebody from Pieces or... Uh... It wasn't Jack Taylor, but I wish it was. <laughs> <laughs> then I'd watch it. Like Hello. <laughs> We're going to have some gay characters. Let's have some <laughs> gay actors play them. <laughs> oh, anyways. Diversity, steering it back towards Texas Chainsaw 2022. It's a very diverse group. There's a, uh, Some characters might be considered non-binary even could be well at least they have the haircuts for it mm-hmm. but uh there's some foreshadowing too because uh is it melody buys a, a chainsaw corkscrew for no reason that's right it's it's not important but she uses it later it's like q giving bond a gadget that he's gonna need <laughs> in some ridiculous situation later it's in like, the film so you're gonna have to stab 
Leatherface in the hand later to get away for two seconds. Here you go, Bond. This is a this is a gun that will only work with your fingerprints on it. <laughs> what do I need that for? <laughs> Can I just have a regular gun and shoot it the same? No, but we're going to foreshadow that somebody's going to steal your gun from you yeah. and try to kill you with it. You're just <laughs> implying that he's not very good at gun uh, safety. <laughs> There's a billboard on one of the uh, highways around here that's like... Uh, it's a kid reaching up onto a shelf and there's a gun on the shelf and it's like, they're coming for your guns. Your kids are coming for your guns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these uh, all these kids are a bunch of gun grabbers. Speaking of guns, this is where we are introduced. Who we later find out is Richter. He, uh, he comes blasting into the gas station to fill up. And uh, we find out just exactly what kind of people the Zoomers are because they immediately uh, treat them like a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Look at this guy. Who has such a small dick they need to walk around in public with a fucking gun? Like, I mean, is he compensating for something? I'm just, I mean, Melody, don't. Hey, I'm just saying. Like, Easy, man. What? See, we're plagued by feral hogs around these parts. And the only way to deal with an invasive species is to eradicate them. On site. Okay, okay, let's go before she gets us all killed. Come on, guys, let's go. Sorry, big gun makes you uncomfortable. I've seen bigger. And of course, uh, they hate that he have a you know, that he has a gun. Mm-hmm. Um, that they kind of show uh, the Lila character has a gunshot wound on her chest, they can, can barely just see it. Yeah, I forget. Uh, have they already have they shown a flashback yet of her laying in a pool of blood? No, no, I don't think they, they show, show it several later. times. Yeah, they, they show that later when she's looking at the, the gun in his shop. This is what trauma looks like. Um, so, anyways, uh, they they pull off down the road and Richter blows by them on the freeway or whatever on the highway uh, uh, there's a sheriff on the side of the road that flags them down and you can tell these guys are uh, really uh, you know nice people because uh, Dante says you know keep your hands where they can see them so they don't shoot us but the sheriff just he's just like hey you're good the guys who bought the town you know just let us know if you need any help yeah, they're very nice, although he says it in like the most menacing way he can. He kind of does, but for no reason. Yeah. He's not like racist or anything towards him, but he's just like, I don't know. It, it seems it seems like they're talking to like a, a shell shocks, you know, Vietnam veteran. PTSD, PTSD, PTSD. Yes, they are an interracial couple and there are two uh, lesbian looking women in the back. It's like he's calling him the N-word with his eyes. <laughs> and his uh, deputy's just leaning on the other window on the passenger side. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, Melody, she's really mouthy. She she has to make a comment from the back seat. Yeah. And she's the fez. Because you don't really know what she is. She's Yeah. She's like the <laughs> NB 
whatever. She's like the Q plus of the group. <laughs> no, she's the two IA of the group. She's like the uh, what? What is two IA? I don't even know. Isn't it uh, like inter, intersex, intergender? What's that? And a? Uh, ambiguous. She might be an A. <laughs> she might be an A. I was, you know, speaking more in terms of racially, but. Oh, yeah. Well, she and the other one are sisters. And then the the blonde, the blonde woman and the black guy, of course, are a couple because, you know, they, they no, can't but... fight stereotypes that, you know. But she's from a progressive family with uh, more than two parents, is what you're saying. <laughs> is that what you're getting at? If you're going to make an interracial couple, like the least creative one is a black guy and a blonde-haired white woman. I know. I'm talking about uh, Melody and Lila being sisters. Yeah, they're sisters. Which means they would have at least three parents. Why, you think Melody is mixed? I think so. I think she's just Jew. I think she's Jewish. Could be. She's probably for me. <laughs> well, I'll put it this way: her and Lila do not have the same exact parents. I think we yeah, can say that do. for sure. They they don't look very very similar. It's like when they cast Alex Wolf as a white guy, but like he looks like Eastern European at best. You yeah. know, Alex Wolf. He was the guy in uh, Hereditary. He played. Uh, Tony Collette's son, but he's he's very olive skinned and uh, dark haired, dark curly haired. Mm, right. But he he always gets cast as like a white kid. <laughs> you mean Hereditary, the the movie where Tony Collette was robbed? She was robbed the Oscar? of the Oscar. Robbed of the Oscar. You heard it here first. <laughs> Nobody's ever said that ever before. Tony Collette stands on this podcast. I tell you what. <laughs> Super excited for the next Tony Collette movie. I forget. Was she in the Clint Eastwood movie? Uh, I can't remember. Well, I know you're seeing it on the A-list. Any Tony Collette movie that comes out. You didn't see Mafia Mama? I did not. You didn't either, did you? I did. It was uh, It was an eventually. Okay. I was pleasantly surprised how funny it was. Oh. Was it better than The Family with Robert De Niro? You mean uh, not The Family? No. I... <laughs> Are you thinking of a different movie, movie or are you thinking? I, I don't know if I've seen The Family. It's him and Michelle or, Pfeiffer. Oh, I thought you were talking about that Sebastian Maniscalco one. No, I wasn't I wasn't talking about that. My uh, It just seemed like a that? similar film because The Family was about like an old mobster family, whatever. It's De Niro and Michelle Pfeiffer. And... Hmm. Never saw that one. It was slightly better than The Estate, which also starred Tony Collette hmm. as the sister of Anna Ferris. Who was way too old for her role? Uh, Anna Ferris, you're pushing fifty, and it shows. Is she? I think so. I don't know about that. But anyways, we get to the town that's going to be gentrified. They're going to start over without violence and madness. Mm-hmm. Idyllic, except for that they see Richter. What was that autonomous zone in uh, Seattle called? Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, oh, something, something autonomous zone. Uh, Chaz? Chaz, yeah. They're starting their own Chaz. 
Well, it's like uh, the People's uh, Way Square at George uh, Floyd uh, Square or whatever. The People's Way. It's not the Speedway anymore. It's the People's Way. There was an overdose death there a week or two ago. Not to mention numerous armed robberies within (laughs) a block within the past week. No cops allowed. Why can't they hire cops in Minneapolis? I don't understand it. <laughs> nobody nobody ever said anything about defunding the police. What do, I don't know where you even get that from. <laughs> Anyways, there's no police in Harlow at the moment. Um, but yeah, here we, we see the guy from the gas station. is He's in the uh, shop at the town. He's working on his truck. And we get a proper introduction to him. His name is Richter, and he's the contractor in town. What is he doing here? Excuse me. <laughs> oh, shit. Sorry. Uh, Richter, uh, we spoke on the phone. Yeah. Dante. <laughs> hey. <laughs> uh, Richter's our, our contractor, Mel. Gave the building a facelift. About all I can do in a week. Well, it looks good for the auction. Thank you. You're planning to sell these? Oh, yeah, we will. Mm-hmm. All right. So you guys are what, like a cult? We're idealistic individuals who want to build a better world. Yeah, that's a cult. <laughs> what? It's all right. Not judging. Just pay me, we're good. So, yeah, he's, he's kind of under their uh, employ uh, begrudgingly. As uh, the only uh, employer in the area. But you know what happens next? They see a Confederate flag and they almost have a heart attack. Mm -hmm. They almost fall down and cry in the middle of the street. Well, I mean, it's a a Confederate flag flying like over a facade. But the whole thing is like a facade. This whole town is, this looks like a very obvious set. I guess maybe they're just trying to cover up the area surrounding it because it doesn't look like Texas in Bulgaria. I don't know, but it's it's literally you don't really get too many shots in the on the horizon. It's one city block, and there are buildings on both sides mm-hmm. for one city block. That's it. It looks like Rock Ridge in Blazing Saddles, <laughs> the fake Rock Ridge. It actually. does. It does look like it's a straight out of an old western. I mean, even the real Rock Ridge is pretty fake looking, but yeah, as you said, most Westerns, but it's just like, oh God, like all that brick is about a quarter inch thick, <laughs> plastered out of some plywood. There's nothing behind any of the buildings. <laughs> There's nothing leading into town. There's nothing leaving town. That's it. There's like five buildings on each side of the street and that's it. Yeah, that was definitely one thing I did not care for, but it's not a it's not a huge deal. I'm just saying, don't care for it. I can give forgive me, it, um, but give me it's... real buildings. How about that? <laughs> I mean, there's only so much you can do in Bulgaria on a budget. You know, what is the pieces they said? Uh, don't need to go to Texas for a chainsaw massacre. <laughs> okay, but if you're going to do a Texas chainsaw massacre, it should fucking be in Texas or at least the U.S. It's blasphemy. It's in the name, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes, that's true. I'm sure you could film pretty cheaply in Texas. Yeah, that's another thing. Although, I mean, 
doesn't seem like it's a mecca for film production. But I don't know. We had, maybe we should ask our pal Hunter Ducing of the wonderful Midnight Movie Cowboys podcast. He would know more. Well, there was a there was a new studio based in Texas, wasn't there? And then they uh, they collapsed pretty quick. <laughs> was it Santa State or whatever? Yeah, or they got all rapey or something. I can't remember. What I'm the sure was. there's some stuff around Austin. I'm sure there's a there's an infrastructure there somewhat. Maybe nobody films there because they do like the the Simpsons when they're filming movies in Springfield and had all the Hollywood taxes. <laughs> it's possible you know minnesota's just trying to get their legs underneath them once again trying to compete with canada and georgia you know because they started the snow baits some more taxes again like there's there's been a little bit more production here but nothing near what it used to be although colonel uh vegan based jim was here a couple months ago did you hear about that oh no i, I don't think so didn't you hear about James Cameron being up north? I, if I did, I forgot. He was eating in Duluth. They saw him. And uh, apparently he was location scouting. They think up around the Iron Range area. They got a lot of greens and blue screens up there? Perhaps it's because of all of our unobtainium mines up north. <laughs> and maybe he's scouting some locations, but... It's illegal to um, mine up north now. It's illegal to mine <laughs> that stuff, even though you the know, iron you range it, you can use it for electric cars or whatever. But uh, no mining that in the states. For people that don't know, there is a big mining uh, culture up there up north. Uh, the iron range, it's known as. Yeah, they used to have a lot of iron ore up there, and mm-hmm. uh, they mined it all. You know, I forget what's up there now. It's. Uh, well, they still have some. There's still mining that goes up there now, but not as much. But um, yeah, not as much. I, there was something that they were going to mine up there for, like uh, the electric car batteries or something. But no, they'd rather get it from China. Sure. There's even a movie about it uh, called North Country, starring Charlize Theron. Took place in the Minnesota Iron Range. It was about how sexist uh, the right. Iron Rangers are. I never saw it, but I heard it was based on a true story about some sort of... I saw uh, it in the theater. Yeah. I, I thought it was pretty good, but I haven't seen it since. Okay. They put a dildo in her locker. <laughs> <laughs> you can laugh about it, right? That, that was like the straw that broke the camel's back. She she mm. won a million dollars. Spoilers, she won the lawsuit. <laughs> well, why else would you make the movie? I don't know. Did the, the, the lady in the accused win the lawsuit? I forget. <laughs> yeah, I think she did. Yes, yeah, I yes. think she did. <laughs> she sure did. As part of the settlement, she got the pinball machine. <laughs> <laughs> My God. Uh, so, <laughs> Texas about, Chainsaw. Back to about, Texas Chainsaw. Talking about trauma. What does trauma really look like? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I was going to say, yeah, James Cameron... Maybe he's looking for some for Avatar three up north. We'll see. I thought Avatar three was already filmed. No, I, I think he was going to film three and four together if two did well. The three, four, and five were already done. <laughs> well, yeah. like what, what was the was the actress who was in part two who was like, man, that movie must have really bombed because I haven't heard about it in ten years. <laughs> 
Edie Falco or something. Uh, Sigourney <laughs> Weaver, maybe? No, I think it was Edie Falco. Okay. Because the quotes was like, oh, I was surprised when it came out because I thought it like came out like years ago and didn't do shit. So it's like I just figured it bombed at the box office. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody asked me about it. <laughs> yeah, there's been a, a few things here or there that have started filming in the, the States, but not too much. But yeah, I remember uh, Texas, especially uh, the late aughts, they had uh, a lot of competition for projects filming there because There Will Be Blood and uh, No Country for Old Men were filming at the same time because No Country for Old Men had to take like a three or four day hiatus from filming because the fire from There Will Be Blood was so big it was ruining all the shots. (laughs) (laughs) They had to shut down production for three or four days. No problem if you're filming in Bulgaria. I guess. But anyway, speaking of trauma... I liked that it was a movie about trauma, and I liked that it explored it through generations. Historical shared trauma of the Confederate flag mm-hmm. and the, the hurt that it that it gives off just by the look of, by looking at it mm-hmm. must be taken down. Uh, and it's it's hanging outside an orphanage, which they uh, they run into like they own the place. Uh, and there's an old lady on oxygen in there, and uh, she's like, "What are you? What are you doing in my house? Like this is uh, this is my house. I have a deed to it." They claim that she's been foreclosed on by the bank. Oh. She's been running the orphanage for fifty years. How is she not paid off her mortgage? She probably should have paid off the mortgage thirty years ago, twenty years ago. Well, what kind of orphanage that's 50 years old isn't run by the state? Well, that's that's true, uh, if you think about it. Plus, she only had one... Can't think of a private orphanage from, like, the 50s. <laughs> well, she had one orphan uh, for who knows how long. It's been a long time since she had any other orphans. Well, she said she took care of a lot of black orphans. Yes, a lot of orphans just like you. Mm-hmm. I don't hate... She says, I don't hate Negroes. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, I took care of a lot of people like you. And that was one of the most offensive things you could have ever said to Dante. Mm-hmm. Led to his inferno. It was like it was like stabbing him right in the heart. It's a lot about rage and trauma. Rage and trauma colliding. So anyways, uh, the old lady has a heart attack. Oh, by the way, the flag belonged to her granddad. Uh, that's why she had it up there. Uh, and she had one special needs boy left who is obviously like 70 years old at this point. <laughs> a geriatric Leatherface. Very, very big. He's bigger than ever, Leatherface. Speaking of the sheriff, the the sheriff response time is terrific because they were there within seconds to <laughs> pull the old lady out of her house. <laughs> Uh, except for she had a heart attack, as I said, and so they had to put her in the sheriff's truck along with Leatherface, who we don't know is Leatherface unless you know who Leatherface is. <laughs> He's just a guy who walks around with a constant shadow over his face. Yes, <laughs> but anyways, the sheriff and the deputy and uh, Dante's uh, fiance go with Leatherface and the old lady just as the bus is arriving for the auction. Yeah, where did they get that bus? 
was a hella sick party bus. Yeah, it was a bit old though. She must have got it in Austin. Yeah. Well, you know, people people want the wear down. They want the history. Yeah, I know, but it's a bus that's transporting them there. The 70s doesn't have as many amenities on those buses as they do today. That interior was uh yeah. post postmodern. It was refurbished, but I was like, I swear I saw Jenny from fucking Forrest Gump lean her head out that window <laughs> once or twice. That same bus. Jenny. Giving a peace sign. Bye, Forrest. She would be in that group, though. Not as a buyer, but as the, the girlfriend of a buyer. Right. Out of the girlfriend of a buyer who beat her. <laughs> Probably. Probably. <laughs> Anyways, the old lady dies on the way to uh, the hospital or wherever they're taking her. Uh, and uh, the violence begins mm-hmm. because Leatherface, very special needs Leatherface, cannot cope with the death of the one woman that he that loved him. He doesn't know how to process trauma. Trauma. His way of processing trauma, trauma. is to take the deputy's arm, bend it till it snaps, and then turn it around and stab him in the neck with it. With the shattered bone with the with his own arm bone mm-hmm. and then the the deputy tries to pull his gun and shoot him but uh in the struggle he ends up shooting the the sheriff through the neck causing him to crash into a field of sunflowers which is a uh, very beautiful scene there with the sunflowers and the sunset yeah i like the i like the aesthetic there all the dead sunflowers it's, it's uh, one of the, the posters for this film, the one sheets. Yeah. His head just kind of poking up <laughs> over the <laughs> over the sunflowers. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So we cut back to the, the town. They're doing the auction. And uh, I think this is our next clip here. Lila is kind of bored. So she goes and visits with Richter. Who's got an AR-15. Yes. He shows her his AR-15. And this is, I think this is where they first do the, uh, the, the flashback to the school shooting. Right. Got a high chance of thunderstorm, lightning, and heavy rain. Stay dry out there. So, Richter, why are you such a nihilist? A what? I mean, anyone who blasts diesel into the atmosphere like that truly gives zero fucks about, like, anything. Objection. I don't like people telling me what to do, especially smug, self-righteous, rich city folk. Is it loaded? Ever shot one before? Been shot at. Drunk dad. Stonebrook High. Ever 
Everyone expects me to do something special with my life now, and and I can only disappoint them. My friends were the special ones, not me. Yeah, we get a little uh, flashback there of the school shooting. The movie is about trauma. Lila, clearly traumatized, about to be traumatized again. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know it. Will she respond in the same way? Play dead. We'll find out. Yeah, the she strikes up a bit of a kinship with the mechanic or the the contractor. They understand each other. Well, it's implied that they almost. Uh, well, Melody thinks they're fucking immediately. <laughs> yeah. But she's just having a smoke with them and using the bathroom, she says. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Melody uh, gets the text message from uh, from Ruth that the old lady died, and she's shook. She's absolutely shook mm-hmm. to the point where she wants to go home, and she wants to bring Lila with her. Right. Because she's got to look out for Lila. She's traumatized from the school shooting. Traumatized or traumatized? Trauma. Trauma. <laughs> trauma. 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 <laughs> Back to the scene of the accident. The Leatherface drags the old lady out of the car and uses a shard of glass to cut her face off. Mm-hmm. And he holds it up in the sun, which is very beautiful. A very beautiful shot. <laughs> I saw somebody post on Twitter about that, that it... It was like, we all did this as kids with fruit roll-ups. <laughs> <laughs> you cut off the little uh, eye holes and the little mouth hole. But it's so... Uh, Put it on your face. It's so well uh, shot with the with the sunset in the background and the flowers and stuff. Like it's very well done. And he puts it on his face. Ruth, of course, is... Uh, trying desperate she's she's already woken up and she's trying to radio the anybody uh for help uh she gets the the convenience store guy he he hears just enough of the conversation but then she tries to play dead because leatherface here's the sheriff waking up and he domes him with the oxygen tank multiple times (laughs) But he shows up on the other side and and uh, catches Ruth off guard, shifts her with some glass, right, and then he just walks home. Yeah, there's there's a lot of fun kills in here, a lot of brutal ones. As you said, he's he's got he's still got some cardio to him because he walks all the way back to Harlow, however far away they got. And then later in the film, you know, he sprints out of the darkness towards Sally. He's got some got some wheels to him at 70 years old or so. He is a little supernatural in this one, I will admit. That was uh he did take oh, a few gunshots. The, the, the gunshots, the stabs, the <laughs> the drowning. He did hide Basically. underwater for a very long time. <laughs> Speaking of lung capacity. Him and Sally both. I, Sally, there's no way she's surviving that chainsaw to the gut. <laughs> She's impaled and then hoisted up like a fucking flag. <laughs> but it's a, that was a great scene too. But that's later. There, yeah, there are a lot of really good kills in here, though. I will say another plus to this movie is it's 
The credits start at an hour 14. It is a scant 74 minutes feature runtime. Now, there is a, let's say, about a five-second post-credit sequence, but you don't need that. But it's there. Leatherface goes home. Spoilers. Goes back to the to the original homestead. You just see him walking down the road, the driveway, mm-hmm. towards the house. The trees are kind of overgrown a little bit. Hides the house slightly. It's like the end of Rambo 4. 4 or 5. Four. I haven't seen 5, but I... I have seen four, but I've it's been a while. Four, he comes back from uh to Taiwan and uh goes to the family ranch. But we don't know what the family ranch looks like. We have no frame of reference. That's how first blood starts, you know. He's a he's a man without a home. He's one wandering, hitchhiking across the country. This is Rambo on the uh, mailbox. Yeah, I know, but we haven't seen it and <laughs> They don't show it in First Blood or anything. No, it was the first time you see it. So you have to infer. <laughs> to use your, you have to use your imagination. <laughs> this is different. <laughs> this is different. We've seen this house before in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 74. Pure nostalgia. And, God, what? Part two is mostly at that uh, amusement park. So they're not really at the house. Part three is at a different house. Part four which is next generation which is kind of a reboot remake that's kind of the original house but i think they just got something that looks like it is it i thought it was a different house yeah i mean it's a different house i'm just saying it's i can't remember if they made it look like it or not or it's just a completely different house altogether but i know it's not the same house it's got the worst leather face yeah probably and renee zilwidja who the fuck is Renee Zellweger? Matthew McConaughey. He's got no. two Oscar winners in there. Mm-hmm. So where are we at now? Because the after this, the you know the kills come fast and furious. Yeah. So so after this, Richter uh, finds out that the old lady died, and uh, takes the takes, keys to the bus. Yeah, he takes the keys to the Tesla and the bus, which I thought. The Tesla used your cell phone as the key, so I don't know how that works. He took the key. I thought he just took the keys of the bus. I didn't. He took see the the Tesla angle. He took two sets of keys. Oh, because um, Melody was going to leave with Lila in the Tesla, and then he's like, "Well, you're not doing that, and you're not taking the bus either. Mm. Everybody stays here until you show me the deed to the orphanage." Right, and they say. Uh, it's not in their their pack of documents, you know. Some mm-hmm. deeds took longer than others. Blah blah blah. Yeah. God forbid they look online to see if they can find it. But uh, yeah, they're like, oh, if it's not there, it wouldn't be in the house, would it? So they go searching in the house for it. Well, it's and... funny because it's like it seems everybody's privy to the the deed information, albeit wrong deed information, but. Obviously, the the kids think they're in the right, which they're not. They find out eventually. But even the sheriff, the, the head sheriff in charge, he's like, "Yeah, I told you, you got to get out of here." Right. Like they have it on their authority from the bank, supposedly. That's that's the only people who's getting a hold of the sheriff's department. Like you got to get this woman out of this orphanage, right? And foreclosed on. So like, I told you, you got to get out of here. How the fuck does she still have the deed? Well, she said she worked it out with the bank. Yeah. 
but the bank just told the sheriff to go foreclose and then forgot to <laughs> tell him to not foreclose? Apparently. I don't know. News didn't travel around Harlow fast enough. <laughs> and I don't even know if that's how deeds work, to be honest. But, but I mean, with uh, bank foreclosures and whatnot, you know, law, law enforcement is involved oftentimes. Well, right, right, right. After they foreclosed, they would have the sheriff come and vacate the premises if the whoever's in there refuses to leave. No, maybe that's why they got there so fast. They're just like, but, oh, we're here to we're here to take her out. Yeah, but but he's like, hey, you're supposed to be out of here already. Yeah, <laughs> you were supposed to be out of here months ago. Um, so it's. A few a few plot holes, I think. One, like we mentioned, she's been there for 50 years. Why does she still have a mortgage? Uh, she shouldn't uh, take that long to pay it off. Unless she took out like a second or third mortgage or something, you know, a home equity. Right. Or, I don't know. Maybe she got a Tom Selleck reverse mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm pretty sure the bank pays you for that. And then you you get it until you die. So I guess when she died, the bank would get it. <laughs> I think that's how that works. I never fully. I'm not sure. I guess if you mortgages. live 30 years, they don't keep paying you, right? Well, I, I think there's a a term limit of how much they'll pay you, but then like maybe we'll pay yeah, you for 15 they, years and then basically take your house. Yeah, basically when you die, the bank gets the house. Yeah. Because you're basically selling it back to the bank. You don't want your children fighting over it. You don't want to let it to lead to fighting. So give it to the bank. It's like, it's your money. Spend it now. It's my money, and I want it now. <laughs> uh, and J.G. Wentworth, let's make a ton of money buying those annuities for pennies on the dollar. Is that a national? It is, yeah. Okay, I was going to say, I thought, thought for a second there, I thought maybe that was just like a local Minnesota thing. It seems like it, but I've seen people all over the country talk about it or like post stuff online about JG it's my Wentworth. money and I want it now. Yeah, they don't do that anymore. Those commercials, I wish they would. Oh, they I see them sometimes. Oh, do yeah. you? Yeah, I guess I didn't so, cut the cord, but I saw one uh this week that's mm. why I was thinking of it. I was like, man, they must make a ton of money buying annuities for like 10% <laughs> of what they're actually worth. I was going to say, this might be a good time to bring up the fact that this film changed hands quite a bit. Fede Alvarez produced it. There was a time when he was going to direct it, correct? Maybe. And then it kind the... of fell through. I don't know if he had other obligations or what, but he obviously did not direct it. The trivia says that uh, the initial directors were Ryan Toehill and Andy Toehill. And they left in August of 2024, uh, August 2020. Uh, they filmed this in 2020, by the way. Oh, wow. And it was supposed to come out in theaters in 2021, but apparently test screenings did not go well for some reason. I couldn't <laughs> tell you why. I but anyways, I yeah, they had filmed for a week uh, in Bulgaria before they left. And then when David Lou Garcia came in, it says they he scrapped everything and just reshot everything. Right. Uh, does it say anything about the script? Because uh, if you're scrapping everything... I mean, he didn't scrap the actors and stuff. They shot a bunch of bunch of stuff. You would stand to reason they would keep some of it, at least, if anything, for coverage. So if you reshot everything, it means he had to have changed the script a little bit, or didn't shoot everything that was on the script. Yeah, I don't uh, really see much about it. No, there's not much about that in the uh, 
trivia. No, there's really nothing about the other than the, the original directors left and they they reshot everything that they had shot for the first week. Now, if Betty Alvarez directed this, director of Evil Dead remake, director of Don't Breathe, who did the sequel? Don't breathe. Not funny. Yeah. I think he produced it, but he didn't. Because uh... the two Fetty films that I have seen, the two Fetty directed films, I've liked quite a bit. We've discussed them on the show. That's the main reason I don't give this film much of a leash. I would give a more artistic license, I guess, if I had more of a track record from this Blue Garcia. Is that his name? Yeah. Well, you got to give him a break. He he hasn't done anything. This is his first yeah. movie. I'm not saying if if I see another one from him, maybe I'll see it and like, okay, that's that's what he's going for. But to me, this a lot of the stuff with like the anti woke stuff, I don't buy necessarily. There's definitely a lot of anti woke humor. Give it that. I do enjoy it, but it seems to me that they make fun of the other side of the aisle as much as the the left, which I'm not opposed to. But it just seemed to me that there was a little redeeming uh, moment for the contractor, but made him into way more of a racist than he needed to be. Maybe more of a, a dumbass at some points. And uh, oh, I know what was racist about him. Well, it was like it was it was similar to the, the sheriff and like he was calling him the N word with his eyes. This one, you know, he he shoves the Confederate flag in the black guy's face, basically like, here you go, fuck yourself. Here's your fucking flag. You wanted it. Here you go. Well, he was mad that they uh, they ran the old lady out of her house. No, he did this before. She well ran out of her house, sure, but that was before he knew she was dead. Well, yeah, because he he gave it to. Her. It was right after she had a heart attack. Because mm-hmm. he also, went up there when they were inside the house and got it down for him. One of the first times you see him, he's revving his truck engine with duels that blow the blackest of coal smoke. <laughs> out of their smokestacks out of this truck, which is like, it's not even an old truck. And it's just like, oh my God, like nobody in Texas in 2022 has a fucking truck like this that is blowing like coal smoke out of it's like coal smoke from the seventies. Is that a fact? We'll have to check with Hunter Deucing. Don't they know they have clean coal nowadays? <laughs> Hunter Deucing, get to us and tell us if they're, if they're blowing black smoke out of the Dooley's. But it felt like they went out of the way to paint him as a, a troglodyte, uh, an out-of-touch hick right-winger that is redeemed a little bit by obviously trying to help them and kill Leatherface. I, I, I'll say I think they did that a little bit before they introduced the character. And then, like, you realize that he's, you know, more than that. But he's he's bitter because the town is dead. And he's got to deal with these jackass Zoomers who hate his guts yeah. on principle alone. I mean, you can you can get that without doing the the duels with the black smoke and the the shoving of the Confederate flag and all that stuff. And I thought it was enough that he was driving a truck and you know living in Texas and had an accent and is white. <laughs> like all that stuff should be enough. And he redeems himself, obviously, uh, helping out in a fighting Leatherface, but. It just seemed like they they went a little too overboard to paint him as a. Well, what about a his, uh, his first conversation with Lila? That he came off bad in that. No, but it's you know obviously he loves guns and he's all about guns and it just it seemed like they wanted to have their cake and eat it too and I don't think they could. It was the same thing with the uh, Sally Hardesty character. 
we can argue it, but I don't know if I'm going to be convinced that it isn't just a, a ripoff of Laurie Strode 2018. The 2018 movie obviously was a movie about trauma. I mean, they treat her the character the exact same way. She looks like a doomsday prepper, only they only do about two minutes of coverage for that story because the movie's what? fucking an hour and 14 minutes long. So, well, she's uh, butchering a hog the first time you see her. Yeah, she's she's like sharpening like knives and metal instruments and you know what she's doing. She's in a, it looks like she's slaughtering animals at like three in the morning, the witching hour, right? Speaking of last blood, apparently that was the uh, same uh, barn that they used in last blood. (laughs) (laughs) Last blood was filmed in Bulgaria. Um, Or I guess the the barn. I I don't know. It just says it was the same barn. (laughs) Okay. But even with, you know, Halloween H40, they kind of flip it on its ear. It's Laurie stalks Michael. It's not the other way around. Michael never stalks Laurie in H40. It's her stalking him. And then at the end, he's only at her house because he was brought there by the doctor. You know, he never does it by himself. And so, you know, she's stalking him. She's uh, following the bus and whatnot as he's being transported. Uh, She's following around the neighborhood. Sure. Um, So it's kind of like they, they switch roles, right? Well, they kind of switch roles in Texas Chainsaw 2022 as well. She looks like a doomsday preparation. She's a tough 70-year-old, <laughs> Sally Hardesty, slaughtering shit in the wee hours of the morning, I guess. Well, like I said, out. There, there's been examples of this where, you know, like the only thing that was uh, missing was she didn't shave her head, you know, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. or maybe she did that, you know, 50 years ago, maybe she shaved her head. But yeah, like I said earlier, there's there's plenty of examples of women who've been assaulted in some way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. and it becoming their entire identity to not be a victim again and become like the opposite of, of what got them victimized in the first place. Well, it's nostalgia, but it's nostalgia based on trauma. Well, it's a bit, a bit of a stretch that she would try to hunt down Leatherface for 50 years. Like it's it's not that far of a reach, I think, uh, that she would kind of become that character. I also don't think she added anything to the movie story wise. I mean, they don't. First of all, they don't have the the real Sally Hardesty. Second of all, her character she dies. She doesn't. She doesn't move the plot forward at all. I don't think she technically saves Lila and her uh, Melody and Melody uh, for about five minutes until Sally gets killed. And then she Sally comes back to life and then gets killed again or dies finally, I guess. The the lesson with Sally Hardesty is that you can't let your worst experience define you and that the best revenge is living well. Yeah. I thought they could have had that with um just Lila, you know, and the uh the contractor. Well, one of those people didn't survive. So Yeah, I know, but I mean they are they had their heart to hearts. <laughs> And they know that, that their uh, discussion about um, you know, he lets her fire the the weapon or pull the trigger at least you know hold it or whatever, but he's kind of sending her on her way to what do you want to call it um self preservation self defense self what am I looking for uh I know what you mean but I don't know what, what word you're searching for. Um, well, whatever she uh, transforms into by the end of the film, but yeah. 
it, it's helped <laughs> along by the contractor. It, it's in the contractor's a fine character. I just think they went a little overboard and portraying him as the ultra right winger. But the Sally, I don't think she really adds much. The movie would have been fine without her. And once you put her in, I feel like there's more expectations. Like, okay, we got Sally. We got Sally coming back from the first one. Yeah. I guess it's cool that she survives being skewered with a chainsaw, lifted 10 feet into the air, <laughs> and then thrown down. And it's not just lifted. Like, he sits there and runs the chainsaw for like <laughs> 10, 20 seconds, just spins her around, basically. Well, it doesn't spin her, but spins the chainsaw inside of her. Yeah. I, yeah. It was a little over the top, but I mean, there's other or over the top. I mean, I wasn't, that didn't turn me off it, itself. Just, just the whole character. I was like, well, I guess she didn't really need to be here. They just could have had their own story. The Lila could have, her character arc could have been achieved with, with just the contractor solely. Well, I, I thought it was a, a bit of a, a way to subvert expectations because you know people are going to compare it to Halloween 2018. Yeah. Uh, and by having Sally come in and almost immediately fail, <laughs> it was like... It was pretty stupid. You, know, you, just... you get you get your, your nostalgia having the character, even though it's not the same actress. Right. But also, the realist, uh, the realistic uh, demise of having to or, you know, coming in for revenge and then almost immediately uh, finding out that this guy doesn't give a two shits about you. He just walks away from her. Uh, and then, you know, when she pushes him too far, he just disposes of her with ease. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I didn't mind it. Yeah. You know, I don't begrudge people that do. Like I said, I do. I did enjoy this better on a second watch and perhaps after i see another film from this blue garcia i'll uh maybe i'll have seen the lights i didn't give him enough credit the first time around i'll rewatch and i go god this guy is a fucking genius and i'm not saying that flippantly that is a possibility but i don't know if i'd say he's a genius but he's made a very good movie yet to be seen very very good uh debut uh as we totally discount the movie that we've never heard of that he directed well it did have a higher rating than this on imdb at least i'm sure there's <laughs> only like four reviews of it i will say i'm surprised at its low rating because i mean on imdb it's a 4.7 and that's pretty that's pretty fucking low now i think a lot of the people dislike it maybe would be original fans of the franchise right yeah, because I w- I gotta think that the newer generation people that are seeing maybe seeing t- a Texas Chainsaw film for the first time, you gotta think they would like it, wouldn't you? They got identified with the characters, these Zoomers. I I would you- think that yeah, it would be more popular with people. Honestly, I don't really understand why. I don't know. I suppose I can see why people wouldn't like it if they were fans of the original franchise movies, but. I think they're they're being too hard on it for sure. But yeah, I would think that younger audiences would like it because it's not it's not like it's boring. Right. There's lots of action. There's some humor. Well, uh, it's a fucking seventy four minutes. It better be action packed. Poli- political uh, <laughs> commentary. Yeah. Um, but maybe they they felt uh, attacked 
maybe they felt attacked because it's coming after their generation. Sure. And their ideals. And they can't cancel them, can they? (laughs) Not yet. Not until you're on the bus. I'll lean back into the plot now by saying uh, we can start talking about some of the things I really enjoyed about the film. We can get on board together about this stuff. Although I did want to point out one last thing that I thought was not necessarily bad, but pretty silly. And that did you notice the John Wick moment in here? Uh, Leatherface yeah. gets the chainsaw that has been hidden in the wall for fucking fifty years. <laughs> that was an awesome scene, though. Well, I it's like cool. It's scene. I mean, cool for Texas Chainsaw nerds. You know, like oh, cool. That's how it started. How the chainsaw? It's the yellow chainsaw up. from the original, right? <laughs> how the chainsaw started up after all that time? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that and he had the foresight to uh there's gonna be DNA evidence that's gonna come out in 40 years. I need to stave off that conviction and just hide this in a wall in an orphanage, not even at the house. So he means he transported it from the house the homestead into the town of Harlow, into the orphanage, into the wall. That's another thing that they didn't uh, explain. Maybe in the in the sequel they will. How did he get to the orphanage? Yeah. And did the old lady know who he was and what he did. Yeah, it just seems like even if this Blue Garcia is uh, uh, the songbird of our generation, like it just feels to me like there's too many cooks in the kitchen that that changed hands too many times and there was rewrites and leftovers from something or other from the previous scripts. Uh, Some previous stuff got in the film. Maybe it wasn't his complete vision. I don't know. Maybe there was stuff in there that he didn't want in there and they just had to keep it in. I don't know, but... It just kind of comes off that way. I can't see that. It, it is a little disjointed at times, but there's so many cool scenes. Yeah. Like it's the rule of cool. If it's cool, it goes. We can uh, we can start talking about my, my likes right now. <laughs> I liked that it was a movie about trauma, and I liked that it explored it through generations. I mean, a lot of the kills are, are fun, If even if they're derivative or I've seen them before, like, a lot of things are shot well. You d- you discussed that uh, Blue Garcia was a cinematographer of sorts. Uh, I think yes. he's got an eye for the camera. Before we get to the bus scene, we can talk about the, uh, I guess we're, we're basically up to the part where the contractor is trying to save the kids. Dante gets a, what does he get? What does he take? Like an ax to the, or a knife to the cheek? It's a, a meat, meat cleaver. To the face. Big gash around his jaw. By the way, this is right after Melody finds that the old lady had the deed to the place, and she starts crying. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, Leatherface shows up just in time to to cleave Dante (laughs) in the face. And then Melody goes upstairs and hides in a closet. Mm -hmm. That was pretty sweet. I like that scene, because you think he goes right for her, right? Right. And you think he's going to get her. But he doesn't even pay attention to her. He just grabs one of the old lady's dresses out so he can like, start <laughs> sniffing on it and mourning her death. Yeah. And then this is, uh, as we mentioned, he, he's already put her face on it. Now he's got to put her face on <laughs> And they do a lot of shots in this scene with the mirror. Yes. Which obviously I've seen before, but it's doesn't mean it's not done well because it was done well. I thought a lot of the sequences, especially in the second half, had a lot of good tension especially with this one, or Richter comes in when he sees Dante, or Dante is running down the street. He he's, he, and he he comes to, he, he was like unconscious, and he wakes yeah. up and stumbles outside. And, uh, and Richter, he's like, what have you done now, boy? <laughs> Basically another uh, you know racist little piece of his character. 
But uh, he sees him and he immediately jumps into action to try and protect these kids. Like, oh shit. Yeah. The simpleton is is loose. <laughs> trying to kill these kids. So he springs into action. I forgot, does he well he has he has a sidearm on him. He has his pistol, right? He must, yeah. I, I don't remember for sure, but yeah, he must. As he runs upstairs, Leatherface gets the jump on him. He's he's behind the door and he sees melody in the mirror under the bed at the last second as she's trying to warn him yeah so she like angles the mirror to see uh so he can see Leatherface's behind the door it's a little too late this is after he's been sledgehammering the wall <laughs> <laughs> but to get that chainsaw out yeah and so they uh so the thing is like john wick goes down his basement and starts just taking a sledgehammer to the the concrete <laughs> Because he buries this cachet of weapons underneath concrete right. and dirt. <laughs> so Leatherface and Richter kind of go fisticuffs, and Leatherface hits him with a sledgehammer right in the leg, snaps his leg. It's a good effect. Then, like it was probably CGI, yeah. but it still looked good. It, it looked great. And then uh, they end up going through the the window, which has bars on it, but <laughs> but there's a broken piece of glass sticking out from the side of the window and he just like shoves Richter's neck into it. Yeah. That was pretty sweet. And yeah. then he then he sledgehammers his head a few more times. <laughs> so it's nothing. Yeah. There's a lot of good uh tension with Melody still under the bed, trying to keep quiet with uh all of this going on around her. Leatherface finally leaving the room at least. Yeah. But uh Richter before he died, gave her the keys, or he slid the keys out so she could grab them and get out of there. Right, which is easier said than done. At which time, who who had seen uh, Dante and went back to the bus? It was Kathy. She was Kathy. like the the partner. Yeah, who set up the auction with them. She's kind of too balled up to like tell anybody what's going on. <laughs> He's like, go to the bus, get everybody on there. Nobody leaves. Call the cops. Yep. At this point, Sally Hardesty has been uh, dispatched by the uh, convenience store guy. That's and right. she's, She comes across the uh, the accident scene. In the it was metal, probably the, the same convenience store from, I mean, it would have if it was in the aughts as uh, No Country for Old Men, but it looked a little similar. Possibly. Uh, but, I mean, filmed in Bulgaria, it's not going to be, but course there weren't a lot of jack links in modern day packaging there either <laughs> what what year is this movie set uh good old jack links i was very confused like why are all the jack links in their brand new 2006 packages <laughs> this was set in the 80s wait what are you talking about and no country for old men. Oh, no country for old men. Store. Sure. Yeah. And the I thought you were talking about store. in Texas Chainsaw. I'm like, well, this is 2022. No, and in, in no country for old men when he's at the, the the convenience store and he's flipping the coin for the guy's life. Right. There's a bunch of Jacklings beef <laughs> jerky on the display, and it's all like the brand new packaging. That's a company as old as America, I tell you. <laughs> But I'm pretty sure they've had a redesign on their packaging, like yeah, probably maybe a year or two before the movie came out. Anyway, Sally finds the old lady's uh, body all propped up, so that's a, a bit of a throwback to the uh, the original. 
where they're making the uh, sick art with the uh, human remains. So I clarify something before we move on. When Melody is under the floorboards, that is after the bus scene, right? He's he's got the chainsaw chasing her through the floorboards as she's underneath the building. No, it's before the bus scene. It is before the bus scene. Okay, so she they... gets out, and then they go. Okay, that's the next my note here. So I thought that was a really good idea because she because Melody, uh, well, Leatherface goes in the other room, and Melody grabs the keys and runs downstairs. Well, she doesn't run downstairs. She cr- climbs over the railing and jumps downstairs. Yeah. Well, I guess the stairs were creaky. Uh, that's how you heard uh, Richter coming out them. Uh, but not the best idea to jump down the railing. Yeah. Uh, because he heard her and just appeared at the top of the stairs and just throws a hammer at her. <laughs> this is pretty great because he smashes her with a hammer and she falls back from like the fifth or sixth stair up and goes through the floor. And that's how she ends up under the floor in the crawl space. Mm -hmm. And then he revs up the chainsaw and he starts like cutting down into the floor. And he he nicks her at one point. Yeah. But uh, he basically chases her with the, with the chainsaw. Yeah. uh, Through the floorboards all around the, I guess all around the foundation of the house or the, the building. The crawl, yeah, because she's in the crawl space down there, and there's uh, just like, like maybe a foot or two of space there. Uh, I, I thought that was a really good idea. It was almost like that shark game you used to play as your kids in elementary school, right? I don't know what you're talking about, but sure. Well, didn't you do a, do that game of like lifeguard shark, shark, lifeguard? You get pulled underneath the parachute. <laughs> maybe. I mean, this is like. So like the, the, the chainsaw is like a fin of the shark that's chasing you. It's like chasing her underneath underneath the house. I get the idea, but I don't I don't remember that game. Mm. You guys weren't uh privy to those games in uh, Cake Eaterville. Maybe maybe we did. I mean we did do the parachute shit in gym class. Yeah. But yeah, right before Lila saves so Lila has gotten off the bus. She finds Dante and she starts looking for Melody. Uh, and she ends up saving her from the crawl space, but not before Leatherface cuts through a pipe and raw sewage just pours out onto Melody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which I like that scene, but yeah. So they then they, they run to the bus right away, right? Yes. Yes. And now the bus scene. Well, they try to run away. Uh, or they, they try to drive away and the bus stalls and the driver gets off and then his head just gets thrown back on. Yeah. <laughs> and the highlight comes... of the film, the, the the bus scene, the famous bus scene from Texas Chainsaw 2022. One of the best scenes you'll see in a, a recent horror movie. It's very entertaining. There's no tension, which is why it's not like an all-time great scene for like me, but but it's still very entertaining and funny, so it has that going for it. I mean, it's not trying to be scary and tension filled. It's just well, it's, yeah, it starts off a little, humorous, a little more jokey, <laughs> but like the scariness or the tension would it comes from the idea of being trapped in a small space, yeah, 
with a maniac with a chainsaw that comes through at the very end when the of the scene with melody and lila in the bathroom of the, yes. the bus but before that it's just let's kill all these dorks in this bus <laughs> just <laughs> and have them try and cancel me you know that yeah the, it's a bit one big joke basically the way they all pull their phones out and put put him on instagram live or whatever it is and uh somebody says i you know i'm trying to cancel you bro Mm -hmm. and uh like the the complete lack of awareness of the situation they're in right is uh just a, a great commentary on the current generation or the younger generation it's not even just that guy with his phone there's like a dozen people with one well, out dozen but there's like 10 people with their phone it's like apps. everybody everybody whips their phone out <laughs> like they're just like who's this asshole we're gonna cancel him we're gonna put you we're on the video tables you okay Show. Ron, what are you doing? Try anything and you cancel, bro. Oh, fuck. I'm gonna put you on the internet, bro. Gonna make You're you not... famous. <laughs> You're not gonna have a job tomorrow, bro. And of course, they all get chainsawed. But yeah, like he just like starts slicing and dicing, and like he must have killed at least thirty people on that bus. I don't know about thirty, but it this was a lot. By far, his biggest kill count of any movie. It's like an ocean of blood coming out of that bus, you know. Of course, there's the the kill we alluded to earlier, where he he sticks his. Uh, chainsaw through the lower back of a guy and then pushes him with the chainsaw sticking out of his front uh, very phallically into a woman and shoves them together against the wall (laughs) (laughs) and then uh, poor Kathy who's just there trying to uh, facilitate everything for these these people uh, tries to jump out a window and she gets cut in half and her top half just tumbles out uh, outside the bus window, but uh, yeah, the uh, the scene, uh, the conclusion of the scene where Melody and uh, Lila are trapped in the bathroom, and I, I think we get another flashback to the school shooting here too, uh, if I remember correctly. But yeah, he, he tries to chainsaw through the door, and he almost gets to him. But this is where that uh, corkscrew comes in. Mm-hmm. Where we said, remember, foreshadow gadget, <laughs> the, the chainsaw corkscrew right in the hand, uh, just long enough to get them out of the bus. Uh, um, the true romance uh, part of it, if you will. Yes, and this is when Sally makes her appearance in town and uh, she saves them, or so you think, but really, she just wants to use them as bait. Yeah, she she locks them in her. Uh, 98 Yukon or whatever. <laughs> well, or, it's uh, a it's a police vehicle, so there's no handles on the inside of the back door. Yeah, but it's like an old SUV from the late from the mid to late 90s, like a suburban or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. 
Everybody drives old cars in these movies. It's weird. Mm. Well, it's Texas. There's no salt down there. True. <laughs> Vehicles last forever. You don't need that rust proofing. You don't get that Truco, you got oxidation problems. <laughs> anyway, so Sally must get her revenge. So she, uh, well, actually, Leatherface is just like done killing. So he's going to go to his room and just like read <laughs> or whatever he does in his room. Well, he tries to get into the bathroom, right? He starts sawing through and they get out at the top of the, uh, the exhaust, if you will. Right, right. But uh, like I said, he got his hand stabbed and that, that, yeah. Uh, momentarily uh, stopped his quench for for blood. Mm-hmm. Stopped his quench. Stopped his thirst for blood. And uh, yeah, he just went home after that. <laughs> and Sally followed him into his bedroom, and she's like, "Here's a picture of me and my friends that you killed. Say my name." And she has like five minutes where she could have just shot him to death, and she doesn't. I actually wanted you to play the clip of that where she's like, say my name, say all their names, Franklin <laughs> and whatever, uh, Jim. And I, I can't remember all the names for the original, but. Turn around. Kirk. Pamela. Jerry. And Franklin. Say you know me. Say you know what you did to my friends. You don't remember me. She's like 10 feet from him, like not too close, but obviously not too far away for a shotgun. Well, she's got a shotgun and she's point blank. You know, <laughs> she just pulls the trigger, lady. You've been waiting for years. It's not like he could, you know, do a, a twitch arm movement and hit the gun out of the way or something. You know, he's he's too far away for that, but she's, close yeah, enough to get blown into the next world. Yes. Uh, except for he just... Uh... He talks his way out of it. <laughs> he doesn't talk his way out of it. He just walks. <laughs> he walks away. You you didn't like that? I like that. I like that that she didn't shoot him. No, yeah, I didn't like that. Well, I like that she had this idea of how her <laughs> revenge would go, and then it like, like it just totally like blew up in her face. Like, because uh, he didn't say their names. She's like, well, I can't kill him until they until he says their names. Well, that's, that's she wants him to acknowledge what he did. She wants him to acknowledge the trauma. Family trauma. Generational trauma. I mean, that was just like, what, five kids in 1973 and not nearly the first people that he had killed, not nearly the last people that he killed. Mm. Uh, she was nothing special to him. He hung up his chainsaw. Put it in the John Wick box for later. <laughs> After 73, he's like, I'm hanging it up. 
48 years. Well, the rest of the family, I, I guess, must have uh, met their demise or something. I, I don't know what happened to the rest of the family, but yes, there, there's a bit of a, a gap there in the story that could be filled with more exposition. But I liked it. I thought it was good. Yeah, not. I don't. I don't think. I don't think that's necessarily a negative for the film. I don't think it has to have that backstory in. You know, right? Leave some more mystery in there. That's fine. But but Sally just standing there like a dipshit, not firing and killing him when she had the chance. It's just another tired and true horror movie trope. True. But I, I I'll take that over her just coming in and shooting him and him. Then walking away. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't have a movie otherwise, but but she does kind of like you know realize that he doesn't really understand what he's doing, uh, and then she she tries to go help the uh, the the girls get away. But yeah, I guess she I, does end up hunting them in the street and then getting the the chainsaw. To the I wrote gut. down a note. I was like, why does Leatherface initially leave Sally? You know what I mean. Yeah, well, he went after Lila and Melody again, which, yeah, going back to the bus scene, like, why didn't he go after them initially instead of going back in the house? Yeah. Makes some weird choices. I was like, why Why didn't he just, you know, why didn't he kill Sally right away? I didn't, I didn't catch that watching it. Like, it didn't come up as a, or it didn't seem out of place watching it, but breaking it down, I guess you can kind of like nitpick all that stuff i wrote down sally has no heart because it was chainsawed out <laughs> well sally does uh, end up shooting leatherface after he goes after lila and melody i think she gets him twice before she gets chainsawed right yeah because he ends up in the alley and uh she's like come on out <laughs> and he does he does sprint out of the darkness he's he pretty nimble for a seven-year-old yes. Yes, and it's uh, a cool he, shot, but I'm like, well, he is like 70, right? <laughs> but she does stab him, uh, except for that it does little to stop him from chainsawing her. Mm. So at this point, Melody is driving the uh, the SUV, Sally's SUV. She tries to run over Leatherface, but he narrowly gets out of the way after throwing the chainsaw at the. Well, we said he's so quite she, nimble for a 70-year-old. He's very nimble for a 70-year-old. <laughs> but yeah, she tra- she crashes it in the, the truck into Richter's shop, and sure, her leg gets impaled with some kind of piece of a metal, some kind of rod. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. And uh, I don't know how she gets out. She eventually gets out of it, but I don't know how. Because uh, it was in there. And I don't know what it came from either, because it was like sticking through the truck. She's Linda Hamilton. That's how she got out. <laughs> All these badass bitches wear these wife beaters now. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis and the Sally Hardesty lady, this North woman, if you will. Well, well Linda Hamilton, she was like the original uh, yeah. trauma turned me into a badass. Yeah. Trauma. That's what they're going for. They even did that to her again. They're like, can you do that character again 30 years later? She's like, I guess. After, but <laughs> After we kill your character's son, <laughs> who was the chosen one. I wrote down that Lila runs and Melody apologizes to Leatherface. And then Lila comes back with Richter's gun and tries to shoot him. But uh, I don't know if there's no bullet in the chamber. 
or if uh, she uh, didn't load it, or maybe the safety's on. It's uh, it's like the end of Nymphomaniac. Like, let's l- learn how guns work. <laughs> I think with uh, Lila, it's the, the safety's on. Yes. So she can't shoot them because she doesn't know how guns work. But Sally uh, <laughs> comes to enough to shoot her shotgun, uh, even though she's got no... No core. She got no middle of her body. <laughs> She's probably paralyzed, but she can still like sit up and uh, shoot a shotgun. Um, he ends up in the the abandoned movie theater, which has a giant like uh, missing section of the floor that's like flooded out. Yeah, that was weird. Um, of course, Sally. Tells Lila, if you run, he'll he'll never stop haunting you. So you got to kill him right now. And then she dies. Yeah, Melody is kind of fulfilling the, I guess, the purpose of the the contractor Richter, right there. But which is fine. But yeah, she's kind of just picking up where he left off, I guess. Yeah. So Lila gets Sally's gun. Maybe Melody's seen the light. Seen the air of her ways. Well, at this point, Melody is still stuck in the truck. Yeah. Right. So that was Sally telling her, if you run, he'll haunt you forever. Maybe that's she... something I never thought of before. You know, these kids, you know, are using guns. Whereas, you know, coming into that day, they would never in a million years. What do they even dream of touching a gun? Right. Right. Guns are intrinsically evil. They'll never up until this day. They would never dream of driving a gas-guzzling SUV <laughs> or a truck, right? So maybe Absolutely that's another not. aspect that I didn't even think of. Yes. So you want subversion on a massive scale. You want Top Gun, right? <laughs> According to Tarantino and Sleep With Me. Oh, so anyways, uh, Lila falls Leatherface into the theater, and he, he sets a trap for her. He sets the chance up, mm, and yep. then... Uh, this retard somehow set up a trap <laughs> so smart. Well, they act like he's so dull, so dim the whole movie, basically. Well, the the, the point is, don't underestimate the mentally challenged. He's acting off of instinct, you know. Have you, but, have you not seen Rain Man or Champions or The Ringer? Well, they didn't go full retard. Right. Well, they had they had little retards in the movie. Well, yeah, that was I, I didn't see champions, no, but it was <laughs> kind of like the ringer, right? They had actual don't underestimate with... them. They're more capable than you'll ever uh, know. Right. Which is the message of that South Park episode where <laughs> Carbon can't win against any of the people in the Special Olympics. They kick his ass. <laughs> they sure do. Anyways, so he sets the trap, tackles Lila into that uh that pool. Uh, mm-hmm. if you will uh they struggle under the water a little bit before lila emerges and then uh leatherface comes out and he pulls on her uh pulls her back in throws a chainsaw at her and kicks the gun away uh lila she's laying there this is just like the school shooting she's laying there accepting death she mm-hmm. said earlier in the movie i should have died that day all of this has followed me. Death has followed me. It's all my fault. 
except for this is where Melody comes in and jumps on Leatherface. Lila picks up the gun and shoots him. And then Melody uppercuts the shit out of him with the chainsaw. <laughs> yeah, gives, gives him a chin shot with that chainsaw. Yeah. And he goes back into the pool. And he's down there for a while. <laughs> yeah. Because Gil's like Kevin Costner in Waterworld. <laughs> he's like the shape of water. <laughs> Anyways, so it's the next morning. Uh, apparently they've been out all night. And they're, they're, they think they're... In the free, they get in the, the Tesla and they, uh, oh, she takes the photo of Sally and you know, the people in the, the van. Mm. Uh, she also takes her hat. <laughs> but yeah, they get in the Tesla and they turn on the autopilot, uh, except for before it pulls out, here's Leatherface and he snatches Melody out and just decapitates her right there and he's holding her her head swinging the chainsaw and we get the the throwback scene of uh this is a callback to the original where lila is being driven away by the autopilot of the tesla but it's very much like how sally was being driven away by the pickup truck at the end of the original Mm -hmm. so it's virtually identical there isn't a cathartic scream it's a fearful mournful scream of her (laughs) sister dying in front of her and that's uh you know, you get a little bit of chainsaw swinging, and that's that's uh, about it. Uh, except for apparently, after six minutes, there's a there's a five second scene of him walking home. Yeah, which I I missed this time. I think I might have seen it the first time I watched it, but I was yeah. telling you before we started recording, uh, I was trying to fast forward through the credits on Netflix, and I just went back to the menu. It's so and, quick; it might not even be five seconds. It's quick, but. But I was trying to fast forward through like the six minutes of, of credits and it's like, sure. oh, you're done watching this? <laughs> like, nope. Yeah, Netflix so, isn't the most user-friendly for fast forwarding and whatnot. Especially with, not, you know, every time something ends, they try to show you a trailer or something or other 10 seconds into the credits. Fuck you, get away. I hate that. Tubi does that too. Mm-hmm. I, I think two is it Tubi or uh, Pluto? What one of the two will cut away before the Most movie is actually? Well, it won't even get to the credits. It'll cut away before the movie's over. Yeah, and it's like new new show starts in ten seconds. It's like, well, let me watch the end of this one. Right. I I really enjoyed the the score during the end credits. I thought that was pretty cool. I like they did a, a few homages to the original score, too. Yeah, they do the, the I don't know what you would call them, the, the, the camera shutter whines. You know? Yeah, but, they do yeah. that a few times. Or uh, I think it's actually the in the original, they have like the, the barbecue grill coming up and it's all like rusty. That That's one of the mm-hmm. sound cues, too. But anyways, I, I like that. That was a good homage. So, anyways, that's that's the movie. That's it. Let's uh, let's rate it. Uh, I did kind of already give my rating earlier. It's at a last resort, but I did improve my letterboxed rating from a one and a half stars to two and a half. It's a last resort. Brett, what would you rate Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Well, I did mention that I gave it four stars, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's almost a four and a half. 
Uh, I was very tempted to update my rating on the Letterboxd, but it is a very, very solid soonish. Soonish. Okay. Anything else you want to bring up before we get into fun facts? No, but we talked about a bunch of the fun facts already. Hey, everybody. Here's some fun facts. I should let you know that Anna Ferris is, in fact, 47. Yes. She Wait, maybe 40, uh, November 29th, 76. So she's uh, she's about to turn 47? Yeah, she's about to turn 47. A.K.A. she is pushing 50. <laughs> she will be pushing 50 in a couple of weeks. She's not in her upper 40s until a couple. Give, give her that, Brett. She's in her mid forties. Okay. She's not a millennial and she should stop taking roles where she's expected to play a millennial. Well, she's got to be, you know, Tony Collette's born in 72. So Tony Collette's four years older, November 1st. She's already, uh, what? 51. Sure. And let's not act like Sandra Bullock didn't act like a 45 year old in uh, last city of, is it just called last city? Is that what it was? Her and yeah, Sandra Bullock's in her 60s. No, she's not. Well, close. She's like 58, I think. She's, she's up there. She's been acting since the early 90s. Still looking good. You're not faulting her for that. Just, you know, she's playing these roles that are like 20 years younger than what she actually <laughs> is. Yeah, they, they need to get some more new people in Hollywood because there's... <laughs> There hasn't been new stars in Hollywood. It seems like there hasn't been new stars in Hollywood for about 25 years. Well, I hear Zendaya is the new Cleopatra. Did you hear that? I did. Mm. I did briefly see that. All right, we can get into the fun facts here. Here's a fun fact. Hill count, 7 plus 9 shown on bus, 16. More were assumed killed off camera on bus, but plus 1 if you count Leatherface's mom. I don't know why they do the seven plus nine, because I think it's just the the plus nine is what's shown on the bus. So, however many you think are on the bus, I guess you add to the the other seven. He kills or everybody eight. on the bus. Yeah, but it depends <laughs> on how many people you think are on the bus. I guess. Yeah, you probably count them at the auction if you really wanted to. Here's a fun fact. Uh, so Fede Alvarez spoke about this film's relation to the other sequels that the film does not explicitly erase the continuity of them, saying, when movies do that, sometimes it feels a bit disrespectful to all the other films. Some people love Texas Chainsaw 2. I love a lot of things about that movie. It's so wacky and of its time. But the rest is such a mess canon-wise. I think it's up to you to decide when and how the events of the other movies happen. Here's another fun fact. I have one similar. Director David Blue Garcia wanted to bring a dark sense of humor to the film, similar to that scene in the original 74 film, referred to by some as red humor. One of the first elements he added to the script was the characters on the party bus raising their phones simultaneously as soon as Leatherface boards. Good call. That was a great scene. So they couldn't actually run the chainsaw in the bus because it would immediately fill with exhaust. Here's a fun fact. So apparently in the scene where Dante is removing the Confederate flag from the upstairs window in the orphanage, Leatherface can be seen sitting in a chair to the left of the screen. I don't think I noticed that. Yeah, I didn't notice that. Well, that'll that'll conclude the fun facts for the episode. Yeah, anything else you want to talk about? 
I think we can wrap it up. I think we uh, we covered this pretty thoroughly. You got your points across. I got mine. You can go out and enjoy it. I will allow people to enjoy it with my two and a half star rating. I think listeners should at least give it a shot. If you if you haven't seen it, at least give it a chance. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would say that's something that's changed probably since my first viewing. I think my one and a half star rating would have been like, "Don't watch it. It's shit." But on a second watch, you know, it, there's some fun to be had. I had some fun. A lot of fun to be had. So the second half alone is worth watching it, even if you don't care for the the more like character stuff in the beginning. Some scenes with some good tension, some good cinematography. There's the bus scene. There's plenty of stuff to like. Although the sets were, you know, could have done better. <laughs> Not Texas, Bulgarian bullshit texas you gotta you gotta give them a little leeway sure can't have everything Mm -hmm. all right well brett where can people support the show financially if they haven't already rated and reviewed the show on every platform that they listen to us on not only would you support us financially but you'd get some great merchandise Mm-hmm. You head on over to WTM watch this movie.creator-spring.com. You can reach out to us. You can email us at watch this movie at yahoo.com. You can follow us on Twitter at watch this underscore movie or bread at positively wolf one, which is also his letterbox profile. Mine is under Eric underscore Mulder. Please rate and review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Pretty much anywhere you find or listen to podcasts. Uh, we will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right, check you later. Bye. Later. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking check about? Check you later. Check you later. <laughs> hey, man, you off my case. <laughs> Behold the joys of late stage capitalism. <laughs> Woo!